The title of the message this morning is A Victorious Passover. I felt that that is what the Lord laid on my heart, a victorious Passover. And so I felt the Lord stir some things in my heart for this Passover. And I want to share with you some aspects that I believe are crucial, that we would have these aspects in our hearts and in our minds at this time. So let's just begin with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your anointing. I pray that you would flow through me right now. Holy Spirit, these are important times in which we're living in and the communication of your word is crucial at this time. So thank you, Lord. Prepare the hearts, prepare the soil of people's hearts for the seed of your word. We ask it in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Amen. So there are four things that I'd like to share with you under this title, A Victorious Passover. Number one is keep the cross of Christ central, especially in this critical time. Keep the cross of Christ central, especially in this critical time. So we find the scripture verse uh, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2 and the Apostle Paul writes the following. He says, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let me say that again. He said, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Here we find that the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And he had a, a deep love for this congregation and he reminds them about his first visit to them when he preached to them and brought the gospel to them. And he reminds them of what he emphasized because the Apostle Paul actually planted the church in Corinth. And so he says that, he says, when I established you guys as a new congregation in Christ, he says, I established them by single-mindedly preaching on Jesus Christ and him crucified, very focused. So this means that while Paul was with them and he's reminding them of this now as he's writing from a distance to them, he's reminding them that I focused exclusively on the person of Jesus Christ and also the work of the cross. And so this is so important. He focused on the person of Jesus Christ and he focused on the cross. Do you know, folks, that that is the essence of the Christian message, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so Paul is saying that he dealt only with the subject of Jesus Christ, the crucified one. And I believe that if the Apostle Paul was alive today and if he was to be preaching on Good Friday, as I am, I believe he would be reminding the church of Jesus Christ about Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, the person of Jesus Christ and the work of the cross. Paul was no doubt a determined man. He was a focused person. He was resolute. And he knew what was important to be established in people's lives. He knew that it is important for an individual to be established in Christ. He knew that it's so important for congregations to be established in Christ. And so unless you are established in Christ, 
you will fail. Unless congregations are established thoroughly in Christ and Him crucified, they will actually fail. And I believe that this is a time perhaps even of sifting in the global church when those that are truly established in Christ Jesus uh, and are preaching the cross and Jesus crucified, that those will be the ones that would stand strong during this time and others may well fail at this time. But not only should we begin with our foundation established in Christ, we need to continue believing. We need to continue holding on to Christ and being established in Christ, keeping the cross central. And I'd like to ask you a question at this point in time. And this is my question. In this global pandemic that we've faced right now, have you perhaps been distracted from the cross? Have you been perhaps distracted from Christ? I trust not. But if you have been, I believe it's time to put your focus where it ought to be. It says in Galatians 6 verse 14, Paul again is writing and he says, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here Paul is again emphasizing this and he goes on to say, this is the New Living Translation, he says, because of that cross, my interest in the world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. And so Paul's focus was in the right place. His heart was firmly fixed, trusting in the Lord. And so the simple message of Jesus Christ crucified for the sins of the world remains the most important message at this point in time. It will always be the most important message and it must remain the most important message. But you know what, folks? I find it fascinating that here in the middle of Passover, we find this global crisis taking place. Right in the midst of this global pandemic is the cross, is the source of our salvation. And I believe that surely this is not a coincidence in terms of the timing. And God is, in a, is allowing it to be used for good. And it says in 1 Peter 2 verse 24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. And so may I just remind you, child of God, that your sins were prayed for on the cross of Calvary. Do you realize that? Let that just sink in for a moment. Your sins were paid for on the cross of Calvary. And what glorious good news that is. And that reminds me of another scripture which says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to sal salvation for everyone who believes. But you need to believe. You need to find salvation by believing in Jesus Christ. And so this is the first thing that I felt is critical at this time, is number one, keep the cross of Christ central, especially in this critical time. The second thing I want to share with you this morning is that uh, we need hope right now. And Jesus, he is our victorious hope. May I say that again? We need hope right now. And Jesus, 
is our victorious hope. There's a beautiful scripture, which is one that is maybe not all that well known. It's in Matthew 12, verse 21. It says, in his name, the nations will put their hope. Wow. In his name, the name of Jesus, the nations will put their hope. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? And I just want to declare today that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. I almost want to speak that into the very atmosphere today. Speak it into your hearts. Speak it into the world. And I declare that Jesus is the hope of the world. I also declare in line with that, that Jesus is the hope of the nations. When nations are in turmoil right now, there is a hope. Jesus is the hope of the nations. Andy Stanley, a well-known preacher in America, says the following. He says, Jesus is the hope of the world. And the local church is the vehicle used to express that hope to the world. And so... This is why it's so important as local congregations, as churches, as the church of Jesus Christ at this point in time, that we should not be shrinking back. We should not be curled up in fear. No, fear is foreign in the heart of the child of God. It simply does not belong there because God gives you not a spirit of fear, but power, love and a sound mind. And so this is the time for us to shine And we can do this because we have true hope, unmistakably true hope. And I was thinking the story about Jesus. And here he is in the boat with his disciples during this massive storm. The storm is breaking. There's fierce winds battering the boat. But the amazing thing was that Jesus was calmly asleep in the boat. He was calmly asleep. I'd venture to say to you that Jesus was the only human being who has ever been entirely calm in a severe storm. And why was that possible? It was possible because he held to a greater reality. So he could be so calm in this time of the storm. He held to this greater reality. And that greater reality held him. And I want to say to you, at this point in time, there is a greater reality beyond the realm that we can see around us. And you and I need to be holding on to that greater reality. I want to tell you, that which is unseen is more enduring than that which is seen in the world around about that. And so I want to just share with you that I believe the Lord has laid something on my heart during this time of the the global coronavirus, this pandemic that we're facing. And it's this statement that this is the church's finest hour. I've also seen other people, other pastors and leaders making that statement. But it really witnesses with my spirit. Could this be that in a time of chaos, this is the church's finest hour? I believe that that's a whisper from heaven. And so I want to say, church, that we are the vehicle through which hope gets distributed in the world, if I can put it that way. God uses us to be vehicles and vessels of hope. But what is hope? We're talking now that we need hope right now, that Jesus is our victorious hope. What is hope? Well, hope is a favorable and confident expectation. Hmm. It is a confidence 
in the character of God, knowing something of the nature of God and holding on to his nature, his character at a time like this. And I also want to make it clear that biblical hope, listen to this child of God, biblical hope is not a feeling. Biblical hope is a reality. It's wonderful when that reality produces feelings within us. But even if we don't have feelings of, of that sense of hope, I want to tell you, biblical hope is a reality. And so I speak that reality of hope into your heart right now. It says in Romans 15 verse 13, one of the most powerful scriptures in the New Testament dealing with hope. It says, now may the God of, what's that next word? Hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. And then it says that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, God, in this time, can I really abound in hope according to the word of God? Yes, undoubtedly, you can abound in hope, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice that he, the Holy Spirit, is the one that infuses the soul with hope. And I really love this because the Lord said to me that this year we were as a local church to focus on the aspect of the Holy Spirit, the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm encouraged that it is the Holy Spirit because as we discover more of the precious Holy Spirit, he automatically infuses the soul with hope. And so I believe that, that this is the time to discover the Spirit of God in a greater way. I heard a story about the importance of hope. And the story is told about a young Jewish boy. And this Jewish boy lived in the time of Auschwitz, that concentration camp where so many atrocities took place. And he lived there in that concentration camp. The conditions were appalling, was terrible. Just to eke out an existence, you had to try to get any scraps of food you could to be able to survive. But yet, they, as a Jewish family, when the festival of Hanukkah came along, his dad took some of their precious fatty butter, like a margarine fatty butter, and he used it to light a lamp in that important Jewish festival for them at that point in time. He was perplexed. He was shocked. Dad, why are you taking of our precious butter and using it to light a lamp? And the dad said to him the following. He said, you can live without food for a while, but you cannot live without hope. <laughs> That's why I'm talking to you about hope this morning. Because we cannot live in this time without hope. But praise God, the hope that we need right now is in Jesus and he is our victorious hope. Maybe as I'm speaking to you today, you feel, well, you've actually been a little discouraged of late. Maybe you feel, you know, John, I felt sad. I felt depressed. I felt lonely. Well, may I give you a verse of scripture to speak into your heart and to your spirit right now? It's found in Psalm 42, verse 11. Let the word of God minister life to you right now. It says, why, my soul, are you downcast? 
Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I want to tell you, child of God, we are going to make it through this. We're going to make it through and we're going to come through rejoicing and we will declare God's faithfulness and saying, look what the Lord has done. And so whenever hope runs low, we need to realize that it is an indication that our focus has been in the wrong place. (laughs) But as we redirect our focus onto the Lord Jesus, it's so wonderful that our hope is restored. And so I'm saying to you, child of God, put your hope in God. In fact, if you're sitting next to somebody watching this, won't you say to them, put your hope in God. Come on, take a moment and just do that. Say, put your hope in God. Come on, you can certainly do it. And also just a scripture from Romans 12, verse 12. And I think this is very pertinent in what we're facing globally. It says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Isn't that so appropriate? You could almost preach an entire message on this. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. So that's point number two. We need hope right now. And Jesus is our victorious hope. Number three of four things that I'm sharing with you today. And I love this. We are receiving an unshakable kingdom. Say that with me. We are receiving an unshakable kingdom. It says in Hebrews 12, verse 28, reading from the New Living Translation, it says, Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. The world is facing a shaking, perhaps like never before. We're in unprecedented times. And I was thinking that there's hardly an institution or an organization that is not being shaken. And I think of some of the things that are being shaken right now. Economies are being shaken. (laughs) Look what's happening in economies. Look what's happening with currencies. Look what's happening with uh, the stock markets, things like that. Countries are being shaken. Lockdowns are in place. If you had said to me at the beginning of this year, John, your country is going to go into lockdown and you'll have to stay in your home for 21 days, I would have thought that's the craziest thing. But here we are. We're in lockdown. I'm preaching to you from lockdown. Borders of countries are closed. I tell you, there's a shaking going on. Other things, governments are being shaken right now. Healthcare systems are being shaken. People are being shaken. At the time of recording this message, which is the Monday before Good Friday, well over a million people around the world have contracted COVID-19. Shocking. We wouldn't never thought this in January that we would be there here now. Also, I think that airlines are being shaken and the whole air industry. Workplaces are being shaken. Schools are being shaken. Universities are being shaken. Uh, The entertainment industry is being shaken. Supply chains across the world are being shaken. The sporting world is being shaken. There's virtually nothing that is not being shaken right now, except, I want to say, a big but. 
But the kingdom of God is an unshakable kingdom. And you and I, child of God, we are part of this kingdom. You know what? I think this is glorious. Because at a time when everything else is being shaken, our feet are on the rock. And we are those that are part of a kingdom that simply cannot be shaken. Because the foundation of the kingdom that we belong to is not of this world. That's the amazing thing. Things in this world, yes, yeah, sure can be shaken. But when the foundation that we are built upon is not of this world, now wonder, it will not be shaken. And so praise God, it's so wonderful to know that we belong to something that is unshakable. Won't you just in your heart, just take a moment and just acknowledge the unshakable kingdom of God. Just in your heart for a moment, say, thank you, God. I belong to an unshakable kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for that. I rejoice in that. And just a scripture to confirm this, and it's from Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, verse 14. It says, he, this is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. And all nations and people of every language worshipped him, Jesus Christ. His dominion, is a, 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 his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And then it says, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. May faith arise in your heart right now, realizing that you belong to that kingdom. And the word of God says his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And I think to myself, what a mighty God we serve. What an awesome God we serve. And it gives me great comfort. It should give you great comfort as well to know that we're receiving an, an, unsha an unshakable kingdom. So before I go on to point number four, let me just recap. We've said number one, keep the cross of Christ central, especially in this critical time. Number two, we need hope right now. And Jesus is our victorious hope. Number three, we are receiving an unshakable kingdom. Praise God. And point number four, which I think you're going to find fascinating. Number four, the blood of Christ breaks the power of the plague. Won't you say that with me? The blood of Christ breaks the power of the plague. I believe it's also important in a time like this that we take note of what recognized credible prophetic voices are saying and somebody sent me a, a prophecy it was during the week and it's a prophetic word by a prophet by the name of Chuck Pierce so Chuck Pierce is a well-regarded prophet and he's based in Texas in America and it's a word that he began declaring since September last year may I read this brief prophetic word to you from prophet Chuck Pierce. He says, I started prophesying last September that this year would be a true Passover. Even though we have celebrated many Passovers, the Spirit of God said this would be the year that we would really have to understand Passover. He said, listen to this, plague-like conditions would hit the earth and February 
March and April would be hellish. Wow. But he was looking at the nations. This is God is looking at the nations in this prophecy to see which nations passed over. I then began to see that the real issue would be an economic rearrangement throughout the world. And I see that if we celebrate and honor his blood, the death structure that is gripping the nations will shift at Passover. I see the death toll in nations that celebrate and honor his blood and acknowledge him will start decreasing after Passover. But remember, once the Israelites passed over, they had 40 days to press through into their promise. They had great problems during that 40-day period and sadly postponed their promise for 40 years. But here Chuck Pierce says, I decree that during this 40-day period, there will be no postponement in Jesus' name. And this is exactly what the Spirit of God said to me and what I've been saying since September. So very interesting, this prophetic word that we hear from Chuck Pierce. And I must say that I feel as though it resonates in my spirit because we need to test prophecy. And maybe as I've just read this prophetic word to you right now, maybe you felt the same thing. You feel a sense of peace about this word, a sense of witness. So what is this basically saying? What is this prophetic word saying? It's saying that this will be a true Passover. A Passover in which we would come to understand the meaning of Passover in a new way. Also, this prophetic word says that this is the time to remember and to honor the blood of Jesus. And I say to you, child of God, right now, even in your heart, would you do that? Would you remember the blood of Jesus on this Good Friday? Would you honor the blood of Jesus? But also this prophetic word gives this wonderful uh, declaration of hope that nations that will honor his blood, will experience a shift just after Passover. And the death toll will begin decreasing. And I just want to declare that as a pastor in South Africa, being connected to many other pastors in the city of Pretoria, Tswane, and in South Africa, I declare that we claim this prophetic word in Jesus' name. That now, just after Passover, the death toll will begin to decrease in Jesus' name. We take this and we believe because our nation, I believe, is honoring the blood of Jesus, that this death toll will begin subsiding and decreasing in the name of Jesus. Come on, say amen with me. Amen. But now hearing this speaking about Passover from this prophetic word, that word Passover should remind us about the first original Passover that Israel experienced while they were in Egypt. And as far as I'm aware, it was about 3,000 years ago that that original Passover took place in Egypt. But let's just remind ourselves about what happened there, because I believe it is helpful in terms of what we're experiencing uh, at this point in time and to relay this, this story. So Basically, the death of the firstborn uh, in Egypt was the 10th plague. There had been a number of plagues that went before this. But this was the 10th plague that God sent. And it was a judgment upon Egypt at that point in time. And so this plague was the one that finally broke that stronghold 
that Pharaoh had over God's people. It broke that stronghold and God's people were set free. In terms of what needed to happen, how did each household have to prepare? Well, they had to sacrifice a little lamb. The lamb was to be one year old and it was a lamb that was not allowed to have any blemishes, any deformities. It had to be a perfectly normal, healthy lamb that would be sacrificed. And so that they would basically sacrifice this lamb and they would take the blood of the lamb and they would on the lintel above the door, they would place blood there. And on either side of the doorposts, they would place the blood of the lamb there. And so it was this blood, nothing else, that saved them from the plague. <laughs> wow, there's a message in there. And just to say this, that they would then go on to actually eat the lamb. They would have prepared it with bitter herbs and so on, and they would eat this lamb. But that refers to something else which Jesus said in Scripture later on. And it says in the book of John 6, verse 53, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say unto you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And so I believe that this refers to partaking in communion, eating of the flesh of Jesus represented by the bread, eating of the drinking of the blood of Jesus by drinking in the juice, the wine, whatever it may be. And so it's so significant that as they were honoring the blood of the lamb in that sense uh, and doing what was told to them to do, we are doing the same today with communion, which we will celebrate in a few moments time. And you know that while eating the lamb, they had to be dressed they had to have their belt on, their sandals on, their staff in their hand. Why? Because they would be delivered from Egypt on that same night. Do you know it was on that very same night after they had partaken in this Passover meal that Pharaoh called for Moses. And Pharaoh called for Moses that very same night and released the Israelites. But just to say this, in terms of what they had to have on, their belt, their sandals, their staff in their hand. Why? Why was that so important? So that they could be ready to leave Egypt immediately. But there's also a bigger picture in terms of this, that God wants us to be ready. The moment we encounter the blood of the Lamb is the moment our freedom comes. And so it doesn't matter how long you've been in bondage. It doesn't matter. The Egyptians were, sorry, the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt for many years. But the moment the blood of the lamb took place, they were set free. And the same applies for you and I. So on that night, God did strike down the firstborn of Egypt, including livestock. No one was spared throughout the land except for the Israelites, God's people. And do you know, on that night, the plague, when the angel of death would come and see the blood on the lintel and on the doorposts, the angel of death would pass over the house and the firstborn of God's people would be spared. That's how we got our term, pass over, because the angel would pass over. Praise the Lord for that. And so 
It doesn't matter how long you've been in bondage. When you encounter the blood of Jesus, you become free. And so that original Passover, which was instituted by God in Egypt, we still celebrate today. And the Passover that took place in Egypt, it foreshadowed the Passover that Jesus would bring about. Do you see how God, in his incredible wisdom, has brought this all together in such a wonderful way? And so I want to say to you, according to 1 Peter 1 verse 9, listen to this, but you uh, were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Child of God, I'm talking to you now. I want to almost like lean in a bit. I want to say, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So can you see the parallels between that original Passover and between the Passover now? And I want to say this loud and clear that Jesus is our Passover lamb. You say, well, what lamb do I have to sacrifice? No, the lamb of God was slain on Calvary's hill for you so that that blood can be spiritually applied to your heart. And so I just want to let you know that Jesus is our Passover lamb. That should cause rejoicing in your heart. And it says in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7, it says, and it confirms this, it says, For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. And this should make, actually make us want to shout hallelujah. I want to tell you, child of God, the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus, has never lost its power. It is as powerful in this very moment in 2020 as it was so many years ago on the hill of Calvary. The blood of the Lamb still delivers us today. It still delivers us today. But you know what? It's not good enough to just know about the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's not enough to just know about it intellectually, that Jesus is our Passover lamb, but we have to actually place the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of our hearts. You have to take that, spiritually speaking, that blood which was shed on Calvary, and you have to take it and you have to put it on the doors of your heart, if I can put it that way. In other words, you have to pay, place your faith in the blood of the Lamb. And I want to encourage you to do that. If you've never before placed your faith in Jesus Christ, your Passover Lamb, I want to pray a prayer that I invite you to pray, just phrase by phrase after me, to receive Jesus as your Passover Lamb. To bring that freedom for you from bondage. Let's just close our eyes as we pray right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this time. Thank you right now. Now I encourage you to just pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus Christ, I repent of my sins. I place my faith in you today. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes me clean. Cleanse my heart, Lord. Apply your, heart, your blood to the doorposts of my heart. I open up my heart and I say, Jesus Christ, come in and be my Lord and be my Savior. I choose to live for you 
unashamedly for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And just to say, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, firstly, well done, well done to you. And I'd like to encourage you that you get a hold of a Bible or read one online, but particularly read the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the fourth book in the New Testament. So I'd encourage you, read the Gospel of John. And also, we want to encourage you to get connected into a local church. Even though it might be online at this point in time, stay connected into a local church. God bless you. So we want to partake in communion now in the Passover meal. And as I asked you earlier to prepare a little bit of juice and some bread or a biscuit. I hope you've done that. And if you haven't, you can quickly, quickly go and do that. Uh, I'm going to read a scripture to just prepare our hearts and then we will partake of communion. And I just want to remind you that uh, communion is open to every child of God. If you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, even if it was the first time that you've just done it right now in that prayer of salvation, you are entitled to partake of communion if Jesus is the Lord of your life. There's a scripture which is in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 26. And it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It goes on to say in verse 25, In the same manner he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And we are certainly remembering Jesus today. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so I want to say, as we're about to take part in communion right now, I want to remind you of that last point of the message that I shared with you. The blood of Christ breaks the power of the plague for your house. And we're also wanting to believe that for our nation at this point in time, as so many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Christians are honoring the blood of Jesus, that the power of this plague would be broken over our nation. So let's take a hold of the bread I trust you have some bread or a biscuit and uh, let's pray. Father, thank you that we can hold up the bread right now. We know that the bread in our hands symbolizes the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice on the cross for us. Thank you that you paid the penalty for our sins so that our sins could be dealt with in accordance with the plan of the Father so that we could be reunited in fellowship with the Father. And so, Lord, as we break this bread right now, we remind ourselves of how your body was broken, 
the brutality that you faced in the lead up, the run up to the cross and on the cross. But you did it because you love us, Lord, and we thank you for your love for us. So we thank you, Lord, the body of the Lord broken for you. Now, Heavenly Father, we lift up the cup and how we honor, how we honor the blood of Jesus at this time. Lord, we thank you for the blood of Jesus as symbolized by this cup. The blood has never lost its power. We thank you for the power of God manifest through the blood. And we thank you that it is the blood of Christ that breaks the power of the plague over our lives, over our households, and over this nation in the name of Jesus. Let faith arise in your people that we would fully believe and trust in the power of the blood. And I thank you, Lord, that also this just shows us how much you love us. We thank you, Lord, and as we partake of the cup, we take a hold of everything that has been made available to us through the blood and the body of the Lord Jesus, the blood of the Lord shed for you. Amen. Now, let's just have a moment where you appreciate the Lord because he's done so much for us. The Bible says that he's given us everything we need for life and for godliness. And so, Lord, as your people, we just want to say thank you to you. Thank you for this Good Friday. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for the promise that is so powerful from your word. Thank you that your word has come to us today. Thank you that we've been able to partake in this covenant meal. And we just want to declare that we honor and we appreciate the blood of the Lamb of God. And we say, Lord, like they say in heaven, we say, worthy is the Lamb. You are worthy Lamb of God. We honor you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, it's been a joy being with you today. And I pray that you would have a wonderful, blessed remainder of this Passover time. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his smile upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, God bless you.